If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to be in 16 and 17 as we continue in our sermon series, David, a man after God's own heart. Uh, this is week two. We're going to see David is God's chosen shepherd warrior. Uh, maybe a story that many of you are familiar with. It's this epic battle between David and Goliath. An epic battle between good and evil like only God's word can paint. Uh, and even that whole story, it's taken, it's taken that name with everything, a David and Goliath type story. And probably hearing that, you think, well, I think of David and Goliath, and I think of football, of course, right? Football, David and Goliath, true stories. It is football season, thank the Lord, and we are in full swing. And guess who is 3-0 and to start the season? Who is it? Who's 3-0? Syracuse Orange. That's right. Go Orange. I know you guys are all big Syracuse fans, so I'm excited about that. Uh, for those of you who are watching from upstate New York, thank you. There's a little shout out. But no matter what team you actually root for, as a matter of fact, no matter if you don't even care about sports, uh, you don't even care about football, uh, get some help. Um, but if you don't... Um, you know, all of us care about stories of a David and Goliath, right? I mean, all of us love a story that has somebody who's a big giant uh, that the odds makers are saying it's a sure thing and comes uh, something small, maybe insignificant little shepherd boy uh, fighting against, uh, seriously, might be a nine-foot-tall giant. I mean, you love the story of David and Goliath. You're always rooting for the David, aren't you? I mean, you want the underdog to score and to score big. Unless, of course, your team's Goliath. You Alabama fans, right? I mean, those, those of you who just, yeah, oh, uh, we'll pray for you. But, you know, th then you don't like David beating Goliath. You want Goliath to just annihilate all the Davids. But uh, for all of us, we usually have an affinity for David and Goliath. In my lifetime, the greatest of all David and Goliath stories, bar none, in my lifetime was... Do you believe in miracles? One of the greatest ever lines from Al Michaels. It was 1980. A bunch of college kids from the USA were playing professionals from the USSR, and that team from the USSR already annihilated them in practice. I mean, killed them, destroyed them. And yet, these Davids, these little college kids, I guess they're not too little, defeated the world's greatest at the time. David and Goliath, do you believe in miracles? Well, I don't know if you believe in miracles of that magnitude, but the Bible tells us an amazing story. And here's what I want to start off with. The real David and Goliath story is found in God's Word. It's found in 1 Samuel 17. And I wonder this. I wonder if you've heard the story wrong. Hmm. I wonder if you've missed the real point of the story. Matter of fact, I bet you most of you have. I bet you most of you who have heard the story, maybe even heard the story in church, I believe the story is often told without the right point and focus. Matter of fact, you could do a Google search on David and Goliath sermons, and you're going to find a plethora of sermons that will tell you how you are able to defeat the, the giants in your life, how you are able to overcome in your life and defeat those giants that are battling against you. And again, we know that we can do all things in Christ. But listen to this. 
It's not how we defeat our giants. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is how God defeats the giants around us and how God does it against absolutely all odds. I love it because God must be the, the biggest fan of David and Goliath because it's God who, against all odds, brings victory. But again, it's not about our victory. It's about his. Let me remind you, we're only in two weeks, uh, second week of this, but let me remind you what we've learned looking at God's word. We've learned that it's always been God's design, it's always been his will to love and to lead, to govern and to protect his people, his beloved people, through a ruler, through a king of his own choosing, through a godly king. So you read through scripture, and what you're going to find out is this. It's always been God's will, always been God's design, that God's people are loved, they are governed, they are protected through a king of God's own choosing. And ultimately, as we read through scripture, we say, wow, ultimately that king is his son. It's Jesus Christ, who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So we have emerging in the story this David, this one that will point to Jesus. And David is described beautifully. Oh man, I wish that this would describe me. A man after God's own heart. And this one who has a heart for God is God's chosen king to his beloved people. It's the one that God himself is going to set out and say, this is mine. And God's going to make what's called a covenant with David and his family. And it's kind of like a contract. It's, it's, a, it's a binding agreement that God is going to make. And he's going to say to David, he says, through you, David, and through your household, I'm going to bring a kingdom that will last forever and a king who will endure forever. Now, again, we're looking right now uh, across the seas, and we're looking to see what's happening with the burial of Queen Elizabeth and what an amazing uh, run that she had. I got on the news yesterday, and they were just interviewing people that were queued up in line for like 14 hours to just get a glimpse of royalty and what she was there, what she was like, and to have them talk about one who endured World War II, one who endured so much. And because we love story, we love those identified in the story, there was such a connection to her and what a woman she, she was and how she lived for her country in an amazing way. But they say there'll probably not be a kingdom like that again. There'll probably not be a reign like that again. But God has the audacity to say, there's a kingdom that will never end. And there's a king who will rule forever. And his name is Jesus. So Jesus is the realization to the promise that God made to David, uh, that through his family line, a king will come. But remember this, this is so important. While we study the life of David, uh, our goal is never to emulate David. Our goal is not today, be like David and, and fight the giants in your life. That's not the goal of scripture, but it's to see and worship Jesus, who is both David's Lord and David's son. It's a so beautiful combination that Scripture is going to say that through David will come a son named Jesus. It took many generations, um, but he will also, David himself, in Psalm 110, uh, way back in the Old Testament, David will say to the Lord, this is my Lord. Uh, he's the one who's a son and Lord. So this morning, we're going to see a few things. We're going to see David, a shepherd warrior chosen by God. Uh, we're going to see David, a shepherd warrior, fighting for the name of God and for the people of God. And then thirdly, we're going to see David, this shepherd warrior, fighting in the name of God through the power of God. Now, church, 
beloved church, I'm going to read to you the Old Testament today. It's going to feel like that. I mean, the entire Old Testament. I'm going to read to you God's word. I'm going to start in chapter 16. I kind of flew through it last week. I'm going to t remind you again of, of David's anointing. We're going to see God's choice of him. And then I'm going to read to you this epic story of David and Goliath. And I'm going to read through God's word as found in first chapter uh, of Samuel, first Samuel chapter 17. If you want to follow along, there's a Bible in front of you. The words will be here. I thought about this. I thought, do I bring up a chair and sit down and read it? Because it's going to be a little bit longer story. Or do I stand behind the pulpit? But here's what I'm going to ask you. This is God's holy word. Of all the things we do in the worship service, this is the most pure. And so hear the word of the Lord. God's word should be read publicly. Um, and so we're going to do it. I'm going to ask you not to write your grocery list. I'm not going to ask you to think about who's going to win the games this afternoon. I'm going to ask you by the spirit of the living God to enter in and to listen. Listen to God's holy word. We're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Um, I'm going to read verses 11 through 14 uh, out of 1 Samuel 16, which we'll see the anointing of David, and then we'll read chapter 17 and see this epic battle. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Samuel, who's a prophet of God, said to Jesse, that's David's uh, father, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. So here you have this shepherd. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. Don't you love the fact that God's word is going to tell you these details? And the Lord said, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. He had eight of them. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Let's pick up the battle. Chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and camped between Soko and Ezekiel in Eps Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped at the valley of Elah and drew up the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits in a span. We don't know for sure. And I did some research. He's at least seven and a half feet tall. He might be nine and a half feet tall. You know, we looked at what the Septuagint, what it says in Greek, what it says in Hebrew. How do we figure it out? Just know this is somebody who is like Andre the Giant, maybe more. I mean, this is a huge human being uh, size-wise. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was uh, 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. Here's the point. Huge dude with the, most, the best armory that he could find offensively and defensively. 
He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, verse 8, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? I am, a not, am I not a Philistine, and you are not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself, and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the, Philippines, uh, the Philistine said, I defy, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul, who was the king at the time, and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly terrified. Wouldn't you be? Now David was the son of Ephthorite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the king, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse, these are David's brother, had followed Saul into the battle. And the names of the three sons who went into the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, the next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward and took his stand morning and evening. 40 days he came out and he shouted, and he mocked them twice a day, 80 times. And Jesse said to David, his son, that's his dad, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of the thousands. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. So here's the deal. Take the youngest, go, go to the battle lines, take lunch. Now Saul and they had, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went, and as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up battle army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And he talked with him. Behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistine and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, man fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. The king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the man and the men who stood with, by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger, his own brother, was kindled against David. And he mocked him. He said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and your evil of your heart. And you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? What is what?" Was it not but a word? I mean, can you hear the squabble between brothers? Have you had those? And he turned away from him to another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul 
and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered, out, delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose again against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, oh my, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. And then David said to Saul, I can't go with these, for I've not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took, in his, then he took his staff, which a shepherd has in his hand, and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with a shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, this is the ultimate trash talking right here, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine rose and came and drew near to David, David ran quickly toward the battle line and met the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it, and it struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his, his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath, remember that's Goliath's hometown, and the gates of Ekron, so that, that the wounded of the Philistines fell away from Sharim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And soon Saul 
Saul saw David go out against the Philistines, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I don't know. And the king said, inquire whose son is the, bo the, the, the boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Well, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. The first thing we see is that David was this shepherd warrior chosen by God. I mean, it was David. David, so he's one of eight sons, right? Jesse says, okay, let me, uh, let me bring my sons because one of them is going to be king. Jesse got one of the coolest news a dad can have. You're going to have a boy, and this boy is going to be king. Samuel is a prophet of, of, of Israel. Uh, he had the responsibility by God to anoint a king. Uh, and he was going through him. He said, no, no, fetch me the shepherd boy. He must be the one. He must be the king. Uh, what, what an incredible household you think Jesse had. How about having eight boys? How about having a household of eight boys? You think he's tired? I mean, I don't think so. How much of a wrestling match you think was going on over there, right? And so here you have the youngest, the little shepherd boy, ruddy, handsome guy, apparently with some nice eyes. Uh, and David was the youngest. And here's what, again, it says in verse 16. When they came... When they came to anoint a king, he looked at Eliab and thought, hey, surely the Lord's anointed before him. I mean, this guy's a stud. He's big. He's physically strong. He's got a commanding presence. Clearly, this is God's choice. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or his height or his statue, because I've rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Isn't that a beautiful reality? So here we have the Lord's chosen. Uh, chosen, he has chosen David. The Lord will say, this is he. This is the one. This is my, uh, my choice for king. I see his heart. And so what the Lord, uh, what, what Samuel did, he anointed him. He poured oil on him. This is important for us. It doesn't make sense in our context what was happening. This is authenticating David. This is setting him apart. This is the man of God pouring the oil of God over him saying, this is the real deal. This is, this is the authentic king to be. Now, when Samuel anointed David, he did it while Saul was still king of Israel, and it was really dangerous. I mean, this was a dangerous thing to do. If Saul gets word, by the way, prophet Samuel anointed someone else king, what is Saul going to do? Kill him. And we'll see through scripture, Saul tries to kill him. But God was anointing him saying, this is my chosen king. I've rejected Saul. David's life will always be in peril with Saul while Saul was alive. But here we have this anointed king, and Saul's jealousy would rage. So God is, David's God's chosen. He's God's anointed. And then we see this really cool thing, too. The Lord's spirit descends upon him. This is empowering David. The spirit of the Lord was given to David to empower him. Uh, God was enabling David to do what God was calling David to do. Here's what we've got to see. God didn't say, okay, David, you're my guy. Now go work out and be strong. Now, David, figure this all out on your strength. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you, David, and that spirit is going to be with you, and that spirit is going to strengthen you. 
God wants us to operate and live on his strength. Um, he wanted David to know the Lord is our strength. And he wants us to know that truth. Hit pause. Do you feel weak? Do you feel like you can't do it? Do you feel like overwhelmed? God never says to you, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's go. He says, I know you're weak. And you can't do it. But I can. And may the joy of the Lord be our strength. What I want you to see is this. Here's this anointing. But do you know what this echoes? This is Jesus' baptism. If you really look closely at this, this is what it echoes. David's son and David's Lord Jesus. Jesus had a baptism that was similar to David's anointing as king. John the Baptist, in, in Matthew 3, it's in all of the Gospels, John the Baptist proclaims, hey, there's a new sheriff in town. The kingdom of God is at hand. We've got to repent. There's something new happening. Listen to Matthew 3.1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I want you to hear this. This is Matthew chapter 3. Hear about Jesus' baptism, thinking about what just happened to David. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Now watch this. When Jesus was being baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We see that Jesus is God's, the Lord's cho chosen. He is actually the, not a, so much better than David. He's the chosen son. He's greater than David. We see that God the Father anointed him uh, with John's baptism. This is the promised Messiah. Y'all been waiting for him? This is it. This was God's way of saying, this is my seal. You've been waiting, you've been wondering, here he is. He's being baptized as a promise. He's being baptized that this is the promised Messiah has finally come. And then you see the Lord's Spirit. It pours upon him like a dove and rests upon him. This is the Father empowering the Son to do what God's called him to do. How cool is it for us to see David and see in the shadow Jesus? How cool is it to look at something that happened so long ago and see how it really ultimately is fulfilled in Christ Jesus? That he is the ultimate shepherd warrior that God has chosen. Secondly, the shepherd warrior fighting for the name of God and for the people of God. You know, I love it because it starts off by saying, by the way, when David was anointed, he was with the sheep and the sh uh, he was a shepherd. And when the battle was going on, where was David? He wasn't a warrior at the front lines. He was, a, he was tending his dad's sheep. He was a shepherd. Um, and yet, David's father, Jesse, sends him to the battle with supplies for his brothers to bring back a report. And what does he know, acknowledge? Wow, what's happening here? David raises his hand and says, I'm going to be fighting for the name of God. Why? Because this Philistine, this hater of God, he's defying the people of God. Verse 10, and the Philistine says, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. He's defying the armies of God. In verse 26, and David said to the man who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach of Israel? For this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. He's defying the name of a God. 
And verse 16, he would come out twice a day for 40 times. It just defy him. Listen, um, you, you, guys, you guys think there's a God in Israel? My gods are going to kick your gods, but I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm badder. Hit pause. It's our society today. I mean, they're defying God. They're defying who he is, his word, uh, what, his, what he's required of us in so many ways. And David is going to go fight. Why? He's going to fight for the name of God, and he's going to fight for the people of God. So he fights for the people of God. It's mano a mano. It's one against one. Two champions that represent two nations. Winner take all. This is so cool. Don't miss this. This is amazingly cool. Listen again to how it says this. Here you have this Philistine. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why have you come to drop the battle lines? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all the Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and they were terrified. This is the fight. Picture it. It's not army against army. There's one champion. Interesting, the Hebrew here might be one mediator. There's one representative of one nation and one representative of another to fight. Winner, take all. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus was one who represented all of God's chosen. Jesus was one. Jesus was one who fought for all the Father had given to him to rescue. Jesus was the only one who could take on sin and death. Jesus was the only one who battled against evil on the cross. Jesus came into a battle that was winner take all. He represented all of God's people. His victory, our victory. His defeat would have been our defeat. Just as Adam represented all of us and we all fell into sin, Christ Jesus, our one champion, represents us. And Jesus won. And because we has won, he has won, we have victory in Christ. Then lastly, we see a shepherd warrior fighting not only for the name of God, but he's fighting in the name of God, and he's not only fighting for God's people, he's fighting through the power of God. He's fighting in the name of God. Again, I love this. This is David. He's, he's got a good resume. He's killed with his own hands, bears and lions. But here's what he says in verse 32. When Saul says, yo, man, you're, you're, you're a young dude, man. You can't go fight that guy. He's huge. And he's been a warrior all his life. I mean, are you kidding me? We're going to send you out there. You're going to represent the entire nation. Are you kidding me? And here's what David said. I love this. Let no man's heart fail because of him. I mean, that, that guy over there is God's enemy. That guy over there, he's in some... Un Are you kidding me? Are you afraid of that? Have you forgotten who your God is? Have you forgotten who are the promises of God? Have you forgotten the Red Sea? Have you forgotten the Passover? Have you forgotten the manna? Have you forgotten what God has done? You're seeing this and you're terrified that your God is enabled? Are you kidding me? He says, your servant, I'm going to go and fight this guy. I'll fight him. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight him. For you're but a youth. And he's been a man of war his whole life. But David said, your servant used to keep sheep with his father. And when there came a lion or bear and he took the lamb, I went out after him. And then I whacked him in the head. And if that lion or bear came after me, I just grabbed him by the mane and I, I killed him with my bare hands. Man, that's amazing. But here's what he says. And David said, listen, I'm going to strike this Philistine down just like I did the lions and bears. There's no difference here. But I'm not going to do it. 
It's the Lord, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me. The Lord is going to be giving me the victory. And Saul says, go, the Lord be with you. It's incredible. So David killed lions and bears with his own hands, but he knew that it wasn't him. As, I want to use a bad word. As bad as he was, he knew it was God. The Lord is always faithful and true. He says, the Lord will deliver me. The Lord has and he will. The Lord will deliver me. He, he's always going to be faithful and true. God, God can't fail his promises. This is our covenant God. And Saul sees the light from him and says, okay, go and may the Lord be with you. Saul gives his blessing to David and David goes to fight. Fighting through the power with the power of God. I love what David says. You talk about some awesome, awesome trash talking. After he's been trash talked back, that David said to the Philistines, like, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in God's name. I fight in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And I, he, he will give you into my hand. What great trash talking. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. David says, man, you should see me with a sling, man. I could nail a hair. No, he doesn't say that. He says, it's not my strength and it's not my skill. I come to you in the name of God Almighty. Here's the point for us. God wants us to battle the evils in our world around us in his name, in his strength, for his glory. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. God will deliver you into my hand, not with a slingshot skills. Why? Because the battle is the Lord's. And why does he do it? I love this, that the world may know. The world will know that there is a God. The victory is the Lord's. It's for God's glory, for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor. That's why we are to live and to work for the glory of our great God, whatever circumstance he has us in, and the strength he provides us, so that they will know who he is, so they won't sing our praises, they will sing his. There's a great saying, you do not bring a sword to a gunfight. But you sure want to bring a sword to a sword fight. But David didn't. In verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. He makes a point. There's no sword. Jesus fought sin and death without a sword in his hand. Jesus fought his fathers and our enemies with nails in his hands. David cut off the enemy's head with the enemy's own sword. I love that. He used his sword. Jesus cut off the enemy's head with its own sword. It's the cross. The cross that was meant to kill Jesus. The very cross was used by God to kill sin and death. Jesus crushes the serpent's head. It was promised for us way back in Genesis 3. He lops off his head on the cross, using that which was intended for evil for him, he used for blessing for us. 
So how are we now to live? We fight for the name of God. And boy, do we need to do it today. We fight in God's name. And we fight for God's glory. But my brothers and sisters, beloved church, fight knowing that Jesus, our champion, won. He won. Heaven's open. Our sins are forgiven. We're his. Our shepherd warrior, Jesus, has already won the war. We might lose some battles, and it might be costly, but he won. And may we proclaim that victory in our lives, today and forever, and whatever you face. Do it in the name of the Lord, for the power of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord, for the good of our neighbor. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this incredible story of your anointed shepherd, David, taking on an uncircumcised Philistine that was defiling the armies of the living God, defiling your name. And God, we thank you for David. He had some skill. He could whoop a bear and he could whoop a lion with his own hands. But God, he didn't trust his own hands. He trusted yours. And he knew that the battle was won because the battle was yours. And you're the one who provides the strength. And God, we live on this side of the cross. We could see this story and we could see it in a way that it shows us Jesus, the ultimate champion, the ultimate warrior, the ultimate one who without a sword in his hands, but with nails in his fist, would take on evil and death and sin and win so that we could win too. God, may we not be afraid of the giants in our lives because we have our eyes focused on the king and our king is king and our king is able we are safe in those nail pierced hands and would you live let us live our lives in a way that the world may know the truth that there's a god in israel there's a god who is and his son's name is jesus amen